Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports, quarantine edition, week number four. Um, on this uh, week, we're going to talk about, of course, the NFL draft, which is ongoing, some of our early analysis of some of the early picks. We're also going to talk about the number one high school prospect, um, instead of going to Michigan, opting for the um, G League developmental NBA plan um, to kind of circumvent college and go right to the NBA next draft. All of that and a little bit more on this week of Guys Talking Sports. Hey everybody, welcome to another week of Guys Talking Sports. Uh, we are here doing week four or five of the quarantine. Um, not sure the week's kind of all running and out, so we're still huddled in. We're still going out wearing masks. We're still social distancing. We're still doing all of the, uh, I guess we can call it the disinfecting of everything. <laughs> and patiently waiting for when things will start to loosen up, we can all go out. But there is still some sports going on. Not live sports at the moment, but um, actually tonight is the um, first round of the draft. And actually um, all the new players are being selected by their teams that they want or not want. <laughs> but before we get into the draft, uh, we're going to actually start with the NBA. Um, but before we get to that, I want to give a shout out to my man, Al. How you doing tonight? How's things going? And how you handling the um, quarantine life? Uh, right now, quarantine life is okay. I'm staying busy, of course. Um, I see, you, as you probably can see, I got my boy, the GM, Dave Gentleman, behind me. Um, in his full virus move with the mask on. So I was going to wear it, but I figured that he just provide that as the backdrop of how things are um, stay, staying at home and just doing the best that we can at this moment. So I'm ready to get started. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, Dave Gettleman. We'll get to that in a little, in a little <laughs> while. But before I get that, I want to start off with um, the NBA. Um, and actually, there is some news coming out of the NBA. Um, the NBA draft has not started yet, but there are some high school prospects that are actually making some noise. Um, Jalen Green, the number one high school prospect, opted to not to go to Michigan this year, but opted to go to the G League um, in a way that where Adam Silver is reshaping the NBA's um, professional pathway program, per se. So instead of going to college, he's going to go to the G League, where he'll get paid a salary of $500,000. Uh, before taxes, of course. Um, and then he'll be in a one-year development program, which will make him eligible for the NBA draft come next year. Now, he's not the actual first person to do that. There was um, another recruit, Isaiah Todd, that signed to um, a G League a little bit before he did. And he was the number 13th ranked one. But this is the number one ranked high school player um, coming out. So we know we have, unfortunately, the age limitations for going into the draft. Um, but Jalen Green is the first number one prospect not to only go, but get a pretty financially decent salary going into there. So, Al, um, what is your thoughts on this? And do you see this um, being a blip or turning into a trend? I can easily see it going, being a trend um, at this stage. Um, to be honest, I, I think it's a good idea in, a, in, way, in some way, shape, or form because of the simple fact is, of course, um, you'll get the exposure to be involved in the actual G League, get a, a good a good um, experience factor. 
uh, more so because your goal is to try to make it into the NBA. And I don't think that one year in college, even though it will help just to be there, um, but your ultimate goal is to make it to the NBA. And if this is another stepping stone where you eliminate going through the NCAA, I could see it being a trend where more high schoolers will do this. Um, the only concern I will have, and to be honest, not really even a concern, is just I wonder how the NCAA is going to f- figure this out once they see a decline of high schoolers taking the college route and moving and going to the G League route. Um, I think that will be interesting to see. Uh, but I think overall it's a good idea. And it all it takes is one person that is, you know, like you said, I know that the, the 13th um, pick last year, the 13th high, um, prospect um, last year did it. But it's nothing greater than having a number one overall um, where everybody knows your name um, to do this because now you can obviously see other high high school um, prospects considering it. And to be honest, they should consider it. I think that this will be the right step for them. Um, they could always go. I'm not saying that, you know, they should avoid going to school, of course, but I'm saying that they can always um, go back to school and finish up and get their college degree um, during the summer. A lot of NBA players have done it um, in the past, and I think that it's just starting the trend to become no different. And we'll be, it'd be interesting to see how if other people do, the other prospects do the same thing. Yeah, I think um, this is definitely something that could have some serious ramifications um, NBA landscape, and more so than um, NCAA's. I mean, once you're seeing – I mean, the two top prospects in this in this year's upcoming draft, um, Lamella Ball and RJ Hampton, decided to play in the Australian League, which are paying them significantly. So I think that Adam Silver with the NBA definitely always thinking ahead of the curve, um, except when he did that horse game. But, yeah, of course. <laughs> but normally he's thinking ahead of the curve. And I think this is actually something that's going to be beneficial not only for these kids that are coming out before the G League itself because the one thing that a lot of people said that why would they go to the G League when you have to play a full year and you're not really getting paid any money so if you change the financial structure of the G League where you're making it more enticing for you know these kids that actually want to play a now you don't have a lot of your you know prospects going overseas to play um and two uh, we all know that for, as far as the NCAA is concerned, they're just profiting off the back of these kids that don't really want to be there. Um, so they're really not just fully engaged in college like they should. Most of them, I'm not saying most of them, but the guys that are thinking they're going to go in the first round are only thinking about one and done. And so um, NCAAs is not letting them profit it off their image or anything. So why not, you know, go the route of the G League? You know, you don't have to play a full year. You're in a basically a, a developmental phase. Anything you make yourself eligible for the draft for the next year. So I think this is going to be a way of where the NBA is probably going to try to leverage how they handle kids coming out and going to the draft. Either they can, A, make themselves eligible for the G League or, or not. Maybe they have to commit themselves to two-year basketball. So I think we might be on a pathway where you might be able to have some kind of amicable situation where I might benefit college basketball and NBA basketball um, beneficial if they're 
can work together with this because I think, like you said, this is going to become a trend. You're going to see more kids start doing this. NCAA is going to suffer. So they're going to have to loosen up in some regard. They just can't act like it's amateurism where, you know, it's really not. (laughs) I agree. But to be honest with you, I can honestly see um, the NBA. I mean, not the NBA. I don't see the NCAA suffering from this no matter what. And the reason why I'm saying this is because um, let's say, for example, you take the top 100 high school prospects and let's say they all go into the G League system and go that, go that route. I mean, people are still going to watch college basketball no matter what. Um, people are still going to watch March Madness no matter what. Um, alumni are still going to go support their teams no matter what. So I just don't see it being a significant drop-off where they would be worried. Um, I think that the only way that would happen is if the G League is in direct competition with the NCAA in regards to when they play the games. Um, That's the only way I could see that being a a, a significant, you know, um, competition-wise. But overall, I think that as long as the G League stays in their, you know, stay away from the NCAA as far as the games being played, I think the NCAA is going to, be the NCAA no matter what. I don't think no change is going to really happen. Um, I don't think that people would have, if Zion would have went into the NBA and overlooked going to Duke, Duke fans are still would be rooting for Duke. They'll still go to the games. They'll still be cheering for him. Um, Duke was, when they may have maybe a small percentage of people that would drop off, but overall, the powerhouse teams are still going to stay powerhouse. The fan support is still going to have the, the biggest fan support of the, I mean, the university is still going to have the biggest fan support no matter what. So. Yeah. And I, I mean, not, and I guess I should say suffer, like they're going to really lose out, but I mean, I guess lose a little bit in that, you know, depending on how much of a trend is, you know, comes and you have more and more kids, you're let's say out of your top 15, 10 of them decide to go to the G League. So now you're starting to lose some of those, you know, talented players, maybe even some of those faces that could, you know, propel not just the university, but maybe help propel NCAA as a whole. I mean, just imagine Zion Williamson, you know, going to the G League. You don't have him in Duke. I mean, you still have, you know, R.J. Barrett and the other guys, but it wouldn't have been that same luster of Duke with, Zion and R.J. Barrett, you don't have to push them to actually push the NCAA because basically it was Duke and then kind of like everybody else. And they pushed them all the way into March Madness, all the way. And they really wanted them to be in the championship game. So like you said, you still have your Dukes, you still have your North Carolina, you still have those blue blood schools. But I think what they eventually may start losing out is those stars that kind of help drive um, those teams. So you just have teams and the college coaches would be more of the faces of the programs now, which I think to a certain degree, majority of them already are yeah. as opposed to the players. True. True. No, I completely agree with that. I, I mean, to be honest the, with the G league, only it, what it, the NBA and what this does is just benefits the G league because like, um, I think the G league would get a little bit more um, interest um, with more high school prospects going to the G League and going through that developmental system. So it'd definitely be interesting to see what they do if they're given the chance to show what they can do in the G League. And I'm pretty sure if the G League wants to um, take advantage of it, 
um, they will showcase it and make sure or make sure that it's being showcased so that people can see see that the development system is working. Yes, and what uh, you know, eventually, what's good for the G League is good for the NBA because the NBA props up the G League. So if they can get that, you know, path to you know the NBA working well, it works. It works well for everybody. Correct. I completely agree. Completely agree. Yeah. So moving right along, we know the um, NFL draft is tonight, and we already know what are some of the already known picks. We did know Joe Burrows actually went number one to Cincinnati Bengals. We know Chase Young went number two to the um, Washington Redskins. And uh, the number three picked, um, oof, slips my mind. Jeff Okuda. Uh, yes, the cornerback went to Detroit. So, so far, it's been basically no unexpected turns, no unexpected trades. Everything has been pretty basically running as is. So um, what has been your thoughts of the draft moving moving so far? <laughs> to be honest with you, the, the, the only thing that I was – I'm not really I'm, – to be honest, I'm not even surprised with even the Giants, um, your team, taking um, a different offensive tackle um, than what everybody spoke about. But overall, like you said, it's just – the NFL draft so far has just been what most people predicted. Um, the players that were going to pick, everybody knew Joe was gone, number one. Um, I think they figured – actually, I've, I think everybody knew for the first four or five picks that it was going to be who they said – who they thought that it was going to be. So, there's no really surprises yet. Um, but I'm pretty sure that something's going to give where somebody's going to pick somebody where it's going to be a little bit surprising or different than what a lot of people thought they would be. But so far, it's just been the status quo. Yeah, I mean, I think the one major question is how are those quarterbacks going to align? I mean, was um, the Dolphins going to really jump up and um, they move up to number three to get to get Tua They didn't. Uh, was anybody else going to move up to get Justin Herbert? And no one didn't. I think everyone's basically falling in line the way they thought they was. So there has been no surprises. And there's always still Adrian. The draft is inherently boring. <laughs> I mean, for me... Uh, you know, and I'm a Giants fan, and as you have the image of Dave Gunnerman in his basement with a mask on, which, why, I don't know. You're not out. However, I mean, even they're picking an all, you know, offensive tackle. I mean, we need a lineman. I mean, you got Daniel Jones, who you picked last year. You got Saquon Barkley. The line was atrocious, um, but they have a lot of atro atrocious spots, per se. So they needed some, they needed some help on the line. I mean, like I said, I'm not surprised about that. I thought they were going with the the, um, the kid from Alabama, but they went from the kid from Georgia. So, I mean, um, not surprising. Um, but I think one of the big things is everybody's going to wonder, um, A, is Jalen Hurst going to get picked in the first round? I don't think so. Is B, Jordan Love going to get picked in the first round or not? C, I'm wondering what the Cowboys are going to do. Are the Cowboys going to be real slick and try to draft a quarterback because – their negotiations with Dak has not been going that well. Will the Patriots jump up and look for the successor for um, um, Tom Brady? Tom Brady, now that he's in Tampa with, with Gronk, and we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But um, to me, I haven't really seen anything surprising thus, thus far. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I'm, I'm To be honest, I'm very intrigued right now with the Raiders coming on the clock right now. Um, I'm very intrigued to see who they're going to pick because – 
that could that it it I'm very intrigued because like you said, I think that if they pick an if I wouldn't be surprised if they go for a quarterback, but if you if they do go for a quarterback, then Derek Carr may be, you know, he'll still be the starter, but you could see the questions are and they're not fully behind Derek Carr. So um for the most part, this whole draft is very intriguing because I'm not saying I mean of course I'm not I don't I'm not gonna follow it straight through, but I'm just saying it's intriguing to the fact that it's always intriguing to see what your team is going to do no matter what. Um if they're going to go for the needs or if they're just going for whatever it is that they feel as though the best athlete is. Um that's what's intriguing about the the draft, no matter what draft you watch. Um the teams you know, your team, you know what your team needs and you just hope that they follow the status quo and pick what they need. And then sometimes when they come up and pick somebody that you didn't expect, you know, that's the intriguing part of being a part of, I mean, watching the draft. So um, this round alone is going to show what the teams, what their plan are. And I think that it's very interesting to see what they're going to do. Um, as I'm looking at right now, um, like I said before, there's no, no, surprises at the moment but i have a feeling that there are going to be some surprises in the later part of this first round yeah and i think really the the surprises are going to probably come in the second and the third round where you really start finding them gems and building out the roster i think the first round picks are always i won't say always hit or miss but you kind of know but then there's always those second and third round picks is where you can really find some diamonds in the rough and i think those are the more intriguing picks but like for me as a Giants fan, you know, had the you know the fourth pick in the draft, so I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what, unless like last year when he when the when the pick was number seven, I believe six and, there, six, and everybody was like, who, <laughs> what? <laughs> we had two picks in the draft last year, so I was very intrigued. So yeah, you know, the jury's still out on Daniel Jones. I mean, you know he. He he didn't do bad. I mean, you know, he had some fumbles. Um, well, he had interceptions, but, you know, that's, you know, par for the course for your first year. Mm-hmm. Fumbling was a little bit more problematic for him, but I think that's all can get corrected over the offseason as long as he can get someone to address it quickly. Now, yeah. if he's doing the same thing this season, then I'm like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was funny because it was talking about um, a lot of people that um, were hit and miss in the quarterbacks. And um, I think they had Aaron Rodgers down in the late twenties um, yeah. um, a while back and you should see how he turned out. Um, but it's just a matter to me, I, I get it that there's a lot of misses, but it also has to be the right system for these players. And if, I mean, who's to say that, you know, Tua in Miami, that system will work better than Joe in Cincinnati. So it all depends on what system works and what team works. I mean, how well you work with that team and that system that they have installed for you and whether or not the team is going to put advantages on, you know, do things to help you to make the best out of your career, um, no matter what player you are, whether you're a quarterback, whether you're a wide receiver or a running back. It's about the team putting the pieces around to make you that player that you know that they, they know that you're capable of. So. It's, it's very intriguing, definitely very intriguing. 
Yeah, so I mean, we'll see. I mean, I saw I'm looking at the Cleveland Browns pick. They went with the um the offensive lineman from Alabama who I thought the Giants were gonna get, which is actually a good pick for them because, you know, you got Baker Mayfield there. He was very sporadic all over the place. So they can get him calmed down and get a good line around on the block. I think that's a deep, that's a good pick pickup for them. Um, get somebody on that line to help protect your quarterback and open up the um, running lanes for whenever you get, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt running. So, um, a good, oh, the wide receiver from Alabama. Correct. Interesting. Correct. Good. At least he's not with the Eagles. <laughs> and the San Francisco 49ers still got that 13th pick. I thought they might have traded um, traded down for that because they don't have any second, third, or fourth round picks. Mm. I could see. No, to be honest, I could see them doing that somewhere down the road. I I don't I, I don't see them keeping this pick. Either they not, either they're not keeping this pick or they're not keeping the 31st pick. But they got two picks. And nothing in the second, but then you can always watch it and say, well, my 31st pick will be my second round draft pick, but you still don't have a third or a fourth. I, I, I really believe that they'll buy. I mean, they're going to make some type of trades to get into the third or, or at least the third or fourth, at least the fourth pick, round pick. Um, I wish we had our resident San Francisco 49er fan up on here, but, you know, I'm very intrigued to see what he says in, 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 in that regards. Um, ah, yes. We'll be waiting for his report as he's doing a special assignment on the draft. So <laughs> I guess we'll be looking forward to hearing from him next week when he gives his um, analysis of the um, of the draft as a whole. Definitely, definitely. Um, and it's funny because now Tampa Bay is right after San Francisco, too. So I'm very intrigued to see what San, I mean, Tampa Bay does. I mean, if I'm them, like the offense is going to be there. I think that they should focus on the defense, defensive side. Um, I think that's where they should focus for the, to build on the draft. But then again, you never know. They may um, end up drafting something where just in case, like a tight end or something where if Gronk were, um, you know, some, if something was to go down, I think they'll draft some more weapons too. So it's, I'm very intrigued to see what Tampa's going to do. Yeah, I know. Speaking about Tampa, um, not only did they get Tom Brady, which I'm still – in awe of that one, <laughs> but they traded for Gronkowski, the Gronk who said last year that he was not going to play because of his health. He had all them ailments. He had a, he had a litany of issues, um, sat out, wanted to enjoy life. And he decided he wanted to be a pro wrestler. And all of a sudden he says, I'm not playing for any violence. It's Tom Brady. And you know, Bill Belichick kindly obliged him, <laughs> sending him all the way there for a fourth round pick. I don't think he got fleeced, but I mean, you got a fourth round pick. You got Gronk that was pretty darn banged up that last season. You know, he played pretty good, but he only played 31 games in three seasons, 31 games in three seasons. So what is your feeling about Gronk being reunited with Brady over there in Tampa Bay. And maybe the warm weather out there would probably be, you know, helpful for his back and leg and knee and shoulder and every other thing else that's messed up with him. Well, first of all, you're referring to now the 24-7 um, wrestling champion. Excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> you got to hold, hold up the belt and be like, 
Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it's, this is just really funny right now. Um, what's crazy about it is because he moved down to Florida. I mean, he's now in Florida. The WWE Performance Center is in Florida. So everything right now that they're doing is going to be in Florida. So it was, it's just a matter of, it was just, I'm not saying it was a perfect fitting, but technically it was a perfect fitting for Rob Gronkowski because we still don't know if he's going to end retire from wrestling now that even though he just signed um, and now he's down there with Tampa Bay. So it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do. Me personally, I think that, you know, the Patriots was smart to move him. I mean, and I'm going to be honest because Rob wasn't going to come back to the Patriots as long as Tom was in there. Um, so when they knew, when they figured out where, when Rob was like, yo, the only way I would go down is, I mean, I'm going the only way I would do this if I play for Tom, with Tom again, the Patriots was smart enough to just say, you know what, let's just, let's see what we can do to get something in return. And I'm going to be honest with you. That was a real crafty move for them because they got something for nothing basically, because I mean, they they moved up in the draft, of course, but basically Rob wasn't going to never play for them if the Patriots again. And they figured, why not just get something in return for that? So, I mean, kudos to them for making a good move. Um, now, that t- now that Gronk is in Tom, with, with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, I think people need to hold off their horses on dubbing them as the next big, you know, great team or, you know, they're going to be uh, most likely they'll they'll make some way into they'll make some noise probably make the playoffs and everything like that but I don't think you can edge them in stone as just being the best in the division or anything like that you got to give them a chance to gel um, the system is different Tom Brady you know is not the same Tom Brady as he was in New England even though him and Gronkowski is there they're they're going to a totally different system so. It's going to be interesting to see if Tampa Bay caters around Tom Brady and Rob Kurkowski, or does Tom Brady and Rob Kurkowski has to fall into the system. So it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do. Um, to be honest, they're like f- at least three, four years too late with them, the pairing. <laughs> so the injuries is, de- is, is, is definitely going to be a, a sign. Um, even like you said, Rob hasn't played really in about a year. So just because he's quote unquote healthy, um, because he's wrestling quote unquote and doing all these things, doesn't mean that he's been on the playing field like in the doing the work. So his health, both Tom Brady and Rob Kurkowski's health is going to be an issue, and. Brady needs to understand it's not going to be the same offensive line that he had in New England. So. Tampa Bay needs to be on their toes and protecting him. And if they don't protect him, it's not going to end well for both Tom Brady or Kronkowski. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, he's definitely going to the Tampa Buccaneers and you're going to be in the NFC South. So you're going to go with a little more stiffer competition in your division than you're accustomed to. Mm-hmm. I mean, with Carolina, with, you know, the New Orleans Saints, Atlanta Falcons, you know, you're facing stiffer competition than you have been when you were basically reigning the AFC East for a decade plus. So you're going to deal with that. Tempe is a good squad. Um, 
we're going to see if it was all Jameis Winston or, or was it the receivers that was causing a lot of those INTs now that you got Tom Brady there. Um, I'm pretty sure all those wide receivers are going to be on their P's and Q's <laughs> once the, um, you know, the GOAT comes there. Um, but I think it'll be pretty good. Um, um, Gronk, he'll probably play like limited, I mean, not limited, but I'll be surprised if he's in there every down tight end. I mean, he'll probably be in there maybe like second or third down, switch him up like that. He'll probably be on a quote-unquote pitch count um, to kind of conserve him and not put him out there in harm's way. They already have O.J. Howard. I'm surprised that, you know, the Patriots didn't ask for him and he even swapped, which I think would have been okay. But they were able to keep O.J. and get Gronk and only give away a fourth-round pick. I thought, you know. I thought the Patriots could have got a little bit more out of that deal. However, um, I agree with you. Um, that line, a bit of block for the man because, you know, it's been seen as in Super Bowls. When he gets touched, he gets real erratic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to be honest, like, I, that whole, their whole focus should be on protecting, on protection. That should be their whole focus. Um, I don't know what the, uh, the pick is still in. I mean, they haven't made the pick yet, but I'll, the they have to stay with that protection because if they don't build around Tom Brady, it, that offense is going is not going anywhere. Bottom line, you can have OJ Howard, you can have Rob Krakowski, you could do a double tight end like you did before with the Patriots with um Kronk and um Hernandez, but if the protection is not there, it won't make a world of a difference. Yeah, and and you, you realize that you only got Tom on a on a at best two year rental. And that's probably about much you're gonna get out of them is two years. Um so they gotta go for the gusto now. Um give Brady all the weapons that he needs, give Brady all the protection that he needs, and you need to try to go for it within the next two years to get yourself maybe not a suit a suit bowl chance or at least an NFC championship game, which I think their chances have improved. Um but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, and it looks like their focus right now is on protecting that line because they just um, drafted um, – they just got Tristan Wirfs on um, the tackle from Iowa. So um, I think that that's where their focus is. I think it was a smart move for them uh, to stay in protection. Um, it would definitely help. Yeah, you got you, you to gotta get the man some protection, and without that, you know <laughs> – you know, it 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 it'd be a it'd be a quick ending for Mr. Brady. <laughs> without question. Without question. Um, so I'm wondering how it seems as though that the Tampa Bay's are doing the right the the smart move right now. Um, at least with the thirteenth pick. So I know, you have to. So um but like we said, so far in my opinion, there has not been too much surprises um at all. No trades, no fireworks, no nothing. Um been pretty much right down the line with all the um the last mock draft that I saw. Um Mel Kuyper's mock draft has been pretty much yeah. My question is does Tua play this year or does he play next year? <sighs> and what that, happens to Josh Rosen? And that to be honest, I I think they're gonna they're going to walk on eggshells with Tua. I think that they're just going to Bottom line, just have him watch. But as he progresses well enough to where he's healthy, 
it all depends on where he, he where he is right now with his health. Um, if he's ready to go before the season, which I highly doubt, but if he is, then I could see the competition starting between you know events with them gradually moving to tour during the season. But um, if he's not ready, then Josh Rosen is just another. It's just one more year with Josh before they fully give the reins over the tour. Yeah, and if I'm to, uh, you're in a very good position because Miami is definitely on the um, the rebuilding, you know, upcoming. Um, you have you still have um, Fitzpatrick there. Um, you have Josh Rosen there. I think Josh Rosen is going to be casualty twice, <laughs> once in the Cardinals and now from here. Um, but if you're to, uh, if they say you can play, you you can try to play. You don't have to play. And I think, like you said, Miami is going to take kick gloves because this is going to be your franchise QB. You want to make sure that he is fully healthy, ready to go, and you don't have to rush him whatsoever. Um, I could probably see him trying to slide him in maybe the end of the season, um, depending on how the season goes. But he might not see the field, and that wouldn't be a bad thing. I mean, it's worked out well for some quarterbacks in the past. I mean, look at, you know, Aaron Rodgers. He sat behind the great Brett Favre for a couple of years, and he came in, you know, everything was running. We saw Patrick Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith, and he had a great year for Kansas City. Took him to the um, playoffs, and when he came in, he was rolling. So, I mean, if I'm Tua, you know, you want to start, you want to play, but if you have to sit and just learn and absorb everything, you have great examples of recent that actually have done very well. And if you got to sit, you'll be in great company if you come out and start lighting it up the following year. Without question. And to be honest, all, all, like you said, those names that you mentioned, um, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, they be, end up becoming Super Bowl champs. So. Even Lamar, even Lamar Jackson kind of came in at the tail end, but you know, by the next year, we saw what happened. League MVP. <laughs> that is true. You, you're absolutely right. So, I mean, right now, I think that you, you, I agree with you. He's in a perfect position right now. Um, so to just basically just watch and make sure, you know, just to see how everything goes. And once he gets the like the gradually when he when he's more healthy. That's when they'll see how Tua is in, in from the quarterback perspective. And most likely they'll have him be the franchise quarterback that they have planned and the reason why they draft him. So Oh yeah. But we can we can chit chat about the draft all night long, but it's still <laughs> ongoing and they're only at pick what? Um fourteen. Fourteen. Whoo. And you still got several more to go. <laughs> several more more to go. Um <laughs> But um, San Francisco 49ers are on the clock. Adrian is not here. We'll chat with him next week when we find out his thoughts on the draft. But um, Mm -hmm. as I want to say, this is our time. So uh, I'll let the people know where they can find you. Of course, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Twitter and Instagram, I am Al Qualls. You can also find me in the basement with this guy behind me, this guy behind me, um, just watching the rest of the NFL draft. Hmm. You can find me on Snapchat, Twitter, and the gram, J.E. Ross number seven, while I watch Gettleman with a mask on in his basement. Wow, that'll be talked about for a few days. Anyway, uh, as always, we want to thank everybody for, um, you know, jumping in, listening to our podcast, you know, and subscribing. Um, as always, stay safe out there. Um, keep social distancing and 
eventually one day all this stuff will be behind us and we'll get back to some kind of normal whatever that will be but as always say i look forward to uh raising glass with you guys once we can all get together when it's safe when it's safe to get together again so to that love peace and soul have a good one stay safe